Welcome to Footnotes of History, a podcast that seeks to emancipate our listeners and indeed, well, mainly our presenters from the shackles of ignorance of our past. With you as always are myself, Daniel Nesbitt, and the great emancipator, Tim Philpott. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Um, today we are discussing, as you may have uh, guessed from Dan's brief introduction there, um, the abolition of serfdom in Russia, 1861. It's a fascinating topic, I think. Maybe because also, when you say anyone says freedom in the 1860s, you immediately think of the American Civil War, yes, the yeah. Emancipation Proclamation, yeah. and um, you know, the freedom of the states in America, but in fact, across the other side of the world really, people brought another massive, um, massive system of uh, repression against well, the Well, I mean, it, it is, I mean, it, we should probably, I mean, we'll, we'll go into detail about what surf is, of course, but like, I mean, it is essentially slavery for, uh, you know, Sort of landbound slavery, or is it? Yeah, no, I think it is. It's less. It's less. I feel like it's less. Uh, you know, less restricted. Than, yeah, it's not. Uh, it's yeah, only better, it's, obviously, but um, it's definitely it's not the same as slavery, but it yeah. has a huge amount of restrictions to it, as we'll come to, and as you'll see. And I think in terms of history, it's definitely been overshadowed by the uh, freedoms, yeah, freedom of slavery, and well, slavery in America. Funnily enough, I was going to say, like historically speaking, whenever anyone sort of discusses either this topic or the civil, or the American Civil War and its aftermath, the um, the, the two are never. Uh, it's like they're two separate. I mean, although they were happened pretty much mm-hmm. in the exact same period of time, yeah, you know, within a couple of years of each other, they're considered almost separate sphere, like separate world. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are separate worlds, but I mean, they are. Yeah, they're not kind of. You're the, not the, thinking the, the of parallels the are not seen. Yeah, so you're not seeing that it's almost part of a, a sort of ideology of liberalisation yeah. is not the same thing as crossing into Absolutely. different areas. But you know, on with the podcast, yeah. shall we say. So, I, I also did want, sorry, I, I know you just said onward, but um, <laughs> we're going to hold you back slightly further. <laughs> I'm straining at the leash. Um, yeah, the, um, the, there was is, there is an interesting, also interesting... Fun. Sounds a bit Fifty Shades of Grey. That's not what this podcast is. It's a family audience. So uh, yeah, anyway, so but yeah, yeah. So so you, if you think of the eighteen sixties, you probably think of but but this is this is this is again one of those key. This is one of the big contrasts of this in this episode. We're going to find is that essentially Russia is uh, as you get uh, certain agrarian, mostly agrarian society. When I can pronounce it, the um, agrarian society. So in the eighteen sixties, they're farm. You know, they're they have serfs tied to land, feudal yeah. landlords, this kind of thing. Over in America, they're building oil refineries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it just shows the golf in, in golf in sort of progress development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I mean, so. yeah. It, it just it's quite fascinating, but yeah, um, it's yeah. one of those weird things about Russia. Almost in yeah. you know, throughout history, almost they always seem to be have this great potential, but also it lags behind. Yeah, other countries, especially during. I mean, I think especially during this period. I think, yeah, well, yeah, um, I mean, you know, I don't think communism particularly helped that much either. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, carry on. No, so we so we talk about what is where what. Where and how serfdom? Yeah. What is it? Kind of what, what is this thing? thing? What, what is this thing? Uh, well, I think it's it, yeah. We, we should probably start by saying that uh, serfdom. We do. It was it was quite a sort of general thing across Europe during the feudal what yeah. we refer to as the Middle Ages. Yeah. So if you're thinking of 13th, 12th, 13th, 14th centuries in Western Europe, serfdom is a thing. Serfdom. I think many. When I was reading this, I was thinking back to when I was at school learning about it. Mm. In terms of, you have a serf, which is you know, what we might now look on as a peasant kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he and his family and his community yeah. live on the land. And literally all of his yeah. predecessors predecessors and ancestors. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, they all live on they all live on this patch of land. They yeah. farm it, but instead of keeping all of the produce themselves, 
they have to give a large portion of it away to the person who owns the land, the landowner. Yeah. You know, in you know in, in, in England, it would be a baron or a, yeah. an earl kind of thing, yeah. and they basically give us a large spread of their crops yeah, yeah. away in sort of a tribute. Um, yeah. Well, like a tithe to the landowner. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, I think I think it sort of starts off as a kind of um, it's if you think about it like in the way you think of the mafia, protection money. So in, yeah. in some ways, they are almost paying the landlord for because obviously the landlord are the knights of the king, yeah. the king's representatives on, you know, across the country to mm-hmm. keep the country in the king or law and order. Indeed, yeah. so that, that's very true. Yeah, they were it was a protection thing on one hand, yeah. um, but they paid pretty dearly for well, it. Well, exactly. Yeah, well, I suppose it's the good because obviously it's <laughs> yeah, but um, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I mean, I'm not I'm not saying you know, I'm not defending it or anything. But um, it's it's barbaric. Yeah. But you can see uh, how they managed to sort of convince peasants that this was a good thing for them. And, yeah. and also, in some ways, peasants would come to certain lords in order to for their protection mm-hmm. uh, from other lords who tended. You know, there's constant violence in this period yeah. between different knights and lords. Mm-hmm. And in, in Russia, I think serfdom really evolved in kind of a gradual process. Yeah. So almost from the about the eleventh century onwards, you see more restrictions being placed on. The lower classes and the and the peasants and the you see gradually slowly but surely an evolution as well from slavery, which was still legal in Russia until the seventeen hundreds, the seventeen twenties. Yeah. And Peter Great abolished it, but basically made all the slaves into serfs. Yeah. <laughs> so he gave them a kind of basically just a job yeah. description change from slave to serf. Yeah. And then it's like it's like one rung up, isn't it? But, but basically, I mean, yeah. sli- I mean, it's not. It's not really a huge rung up. It's I think quite, it's, quite a weird especially change. in those days. I imagine it was a very cosmetic change. Yeah. Like you're no longer well, a slave. You're just a surf. Yeah, I, I mean, um, as you were saying, about classes of people, like that, even that's quite cosmetic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, sorry, I'm, I'm still in the medieval context. Sorry, this is because <laughs> this, this is why this is why this is interesting because it's the 19th century. Western Europe has moved out of the surf yeah. phase, but Russia still clinging on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just desperately clinging. Yeah, on. yeah. Um, but I think the key, one of the key dates for serfdom, as we see it in this period, is 1649, and this is right. um, where it was kind of eventually consolidated into what we would. See, See in the later stages as serfdom, so um, travel between towns and land is prohibited well, for serfs. Well, so, if you, you think, yeah, it's one of the yeah. key things. If you are born on a flat plot of land, you're basically going to live, work, and die on that plot of land, um, yeah. and belonging to that same landowner. Um, and sort of, yeah, this sixteen forty nine code really can, you know, basically creates serfdom as we see it in the period. I think is is what what we end up seeing, and yeah. we see the nobility are then. Basically dominant at that time. Yeah, well, it was so. sort of an institutionalized. That's what it is. Yeah, of the of, exactly. the of the basically, if another land if another landowner finds someone else's, because I feel like everybody almost sort of knew what the rule was. It's almost like obviously all the pe- all the serfs were also obviously so scared that they were obviously to be killed as well. Yeah. That it was like, oh look, there's a serf who isn't from this area. We get need to it. report him. Yeah. Send him back. <laughs> so you can't go anywhere. It's yeah. horrific. But yeah. Um, sorry, yeah. yeah, go on. No, and I think, so from this point onwards, we see the Russian peasantry really under a huge amount of sort of very structured life. Yeah. So every bit of their life is controlled in some way, yeah. I feel. So they have mm-hmm. strict guidelines over what exactly they can keep in terms of what, what they produce. Yeah. They're not allowed to marry unless they have, they go through various sort of hoops. Yeah. And yeah. So they have to get the permission of the landlord they have ridiculous restrictions placed on by the church. They're not allowed to marry on the eve or day of a holiday, during fasting periods, before Christmas, after Christmas, during Easter week, <laughs> or then on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. So 
Oh, well, they can only marry at very so even these very basic of things mm. kind of like they are prohibited from doing yeah unless yeah. they have strict permission and do it in a very ordered and structured way do those do those rule religious religious rules uh, apply to uh, the landlords I think really. some of the religious rules probably do okay. um, but I think they I think they're also they probably wouldn't be as strictly enforced well, yeah. because plus the landlords would get away be, with it yeah exactly the landlords would get away with it but um, equally I think quite importantly as well. Um, life at this time was very structured in terms of who you spoke to, who you saw yeah. during uh, as you were served. So you have your one basic unit of, of social interaction, which is the family. Yeah. And then it goes once the rung up to the village you live in. Yeah. And then uh, further rung up to sort of the commune, yeah. which is you know, a group of villages on this land, which is under, I think, basically an elected elder yeah. and a that clerk yeah. who is also appointed yeah. who then sort of appointed by the landlord I think it's a basic combination of the, the commune yeah. I, think, I think in some ways there is a sort of a, an interesting point here it's basically in order to make it easier for the landlord to, to, to tell the peasants what to do mm-hmm. uh, to tell the serfs what to do rather the peasant commune is like a sort of uh, doing he gives he, uh, he sets the tone and yeah. the peasant commune organises all the micromanagement yeah, and the, the commune's in charge of like passing out the land, yeah. who, who farms what, and then yeah. rotating it around so that everyone, yeah, is, at least in some people's minds, yes, needs a fair shot at yeah. Yeah. farming some actually productive land yeah. um, every once in a while. Yeah. Um, so they have really, you know, in terms of an actual surf day to be like, the commune actually has quite a really I think big, it's, I think it's really important. big sort of uh, saying what happens because if you're not yeah. allowed to leave, they are basically the first arbiter of justice really, yeah, over yeah. You, you know, and then you can, might be able to go and find the landowner and yeah. he's not you know, if he's willing to listen to you then he might do something but yeah. maybe I think your first point of court of is the commune so yeah, yeah. they would have quite a lot of power I think yeah these people absolutely well, well they've got the, they've got the that sort of um, advantage of saying oh we speak on behalf of the land yes yeah. but even if they did even if they didn't, yeah, they didn't who yeah. even knows you know what I mean? yeah, yeah exactly I, I, the, it's just the, the bit that um, when I was researching this sort of like it's just, it's just like um this really interesting, um, just how these pe- they're almost like they're, they're not, not, it sounds ludicrous, but it's almost like they're the guards of the prison, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yet they are also the prisoners. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. they're sort of, they're doing, they're just to get, just to get, they're almost like they're, they're a level of higher, they're, they're level well, higher. It's that, that classic thing is like, if generally like, they gave, they've got a tiny small bit more yeah, power then, yeah. where they'll, do, they'll make sure they hang on to that mm. with everything they can. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, know, I know they're elected from that, but I mean, mm. I mean, I say elected, you say elected, which kind of means it's true. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah exactly. And, um, yeah, sorry. And um, a couple of other things about serfs. Obviously, probably to many people's minds, if you, if you think about Russian Russian military in this time, it's pretty vast, mm. um, and this was based on serfdom as well, in that the serfs could be called up for military service, they wouldn't have really have an option not to go. <laughs> um, they'd be then conscripted and form these large Russian military forces that we'd see in things like the Polish Wars and later on the Crimean War, which yeah. would be very important as we'll find out. Okay. I think, um, uh, yeah, I think at this point, the, yeah. almost like the final insult for a serf yeah. is that to ram home the fact that you are the property of a landowner is that landowners at this time would mortgage their serfs, uh, <laughs> like, so they would borrow money on the, basically, value on the security of the, yeah. the value of their serfs. Yeah. And um, in 1820, around 20% of serfs were mortgaged to, to state-owned banks, and this rose to around 66% in 1859. Yeah. So there's a huge amount of what the nobility kind of invested them, got their funds from, was tied up in serfs, because yeah. they were literally um, taking loans out on their banks. I don't understand what for, though. I don't really understand what, what that would be 
for? Like, I mean, well, mortgaging. Yeah, why do they need the extra money if they're already... Well, I think this, this is the thing, that as we'll see later on, they, they weren't overly productive in terms of what yeah. they did. Uh, and I, I was under the impression that most, like, quite a lot of fiefdoms, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, were, were quite profitable up until until they were abolished. Well, until they were abolished. But, oh, yeah, okay. Well, and also, the thing is, like, you see it all around, really, Western Europe as well, and then they, the nobility have a lot of money coming in, but they also have a huge amount of expenditure as yeah. well. And also, yeah. you can't, they also get to a point where I say, I think, they need cash as well, not just the right. promise of cash. So right. they, they might need to repair their, their dacha or something like that yeah, yeah. now, kind of thing, because they're entertaining their yeah. their cousins who are coming from Moscow to visit them. Yeah. And instead of waiting for the harvest to come in, they need the money now, so I'll mortgage yeah. their service kind of thing. Yeah. Which is why I think you know, it's the classic thing that maybe happens now, you need cash to pay a loan type thing up. But yeah. I think, you know, well, however much these people have, it's clear they always need more. Yeah. Um, my, my, fir- my first impression, actually, I mean, usually, Historically, it's, it's a borrowing is usually for a war. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what context. Well, I don't. I mean, yeah. it's also the yeah, think about it. If you're a noble, you you don't you don't just have one place to live. You also yeah. have to make sure you have a <laughs> grand <laughs> palace near the czar. Yeah, you probably need somewhere you will go on like on holiday to yeah. and get out of out of, but also relatively near to um, Moscow or St Petersburg. And then you yeah. also have your estates to look after as well. So you've got a huge amount of yeah. things to look after, and then you. You might need to you know, dole out patronage and other yeah. types of stuff. So I think you know, for, I think they they did have money coming in, but they all they were always in need more. I think yeah. is, the, is what is my reading of the Russian nobility anyway. Yeah, and also they're all in competition competition with each other to make sure that they were the grandest and yeah. Yeah. most opulent, weren't they? Yeah. So. But yeah, so sorry, you were life of a landlord. Uh, yeah, it's like, before I <laughs> the, the, it's like the poor landlord, it can't can't afford the fifth house. <laughs> I just, need, I just need more rituals now. <laughs> There's a grand ball going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need new epaulets yeah. on my uniform. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so as we were talking about yes. the Russian military, it did, you know, it, it defeated Napoleon in the Napoleonic Wars. Um, it, it, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, up for discussion, I think. We're well, not on it. Russia, Russia, the interior defeated It did, but the, but the Russians could soak up losses and yeah, stuff like that. you know that Napoleon really couldn't yeah. because they just had you know, big supply of cash and more men to yeah. literally shovel into the, into the furnace. Mm. Um, but so that, you know, that did them relatively well in facing down Napoleon. Yeah. But now we're, what about, you know, about nearly 40 years on from yeah. Napoleon and we're at another conflict, which is the next great European conflict, I think, yeah. uh, the Crimean War. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, the Crimean War, essentially, um, it, Russia lost the home game. Basically, um, invaded by by France and uh, Britain, and uh, I think also one of the Italian states. But yeah, 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 like Saint Andrew. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, maybe that's quite a lot. Anyway, especially um, for in that, especially for their Peru. Yeah, their the small land. Yeah, but um, anyway, yeah. So yeah, and um, um, essentially, you know, the Russian Russian troops were completely outclassed by. I mean, I know, I know, we we mentioned in a couple of the other episodes about how. Some of the technology was coming through in certain Russian, um, in certain, you know, in, in the in the machinery of the war, like um, explosive shells. Yeah, exactly, explosive shells and the, and the sort of rifling on the barrels of yeah. the guns or cans. Um, but in terms of the training of the soldiers and professionalism of the mm-hmm. army, yeah, they were much, much yeah. behind. I think, and, and this is the cat sort of catalyst for. Oh yeah, and 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 I think also there was a sort of um, indication that perhaps they were falling behind in terms of economy as well. Yeah, I think on the Crimean War, I think especially it's 
definitely it's the, the the spark that lights the fuse almost mm. because they re- it's a very clear indication that they've fallen massively behind because they've got they've had these vast armies but they're no match for more more motivated yeah. and more I say professional, professional soldiers, French yeah. soldiers and I think this is particularly galling for the Russians yeah. because they were very much after I think um, access to Mediterranean as well so yeah. they could compete yeah, um, yeah. which they which is why I think Britain and France were so keen to stop yeah. getting in the Crimea and kicking the Ottomans out. Yeah, um, they had they had a long running feud with the Ottomans because obviously yeah. in the Ottoman Empire they had uh, there was a whole segment of the Balkan area which was all the principalities, uh, which were which were which were Christian. But Russia was saying, essentially, you know, when something goes wrong, we we're, we're responsible for these people. Yeah. Even though they're in Ottoman not, territory, not only Christian but also Slavic as well. Yeah, so yeah, they have like exactly. a common genealogy yeah. almost. So. Yeah. So I mean, there, there was a rat sort of wrangling annoyance there mm-hmm. as well. Like they wanted to be sort of like, basically sort of preserve land off them, didn't they? But yeah, well, I think yeah, they wanted overlordship yeah. and they wanted to yeah. compete with these Western powers, yeah. which, as you just said, in terms of industry, also yeah. wasn't happening. So I think I saw it was a quite ridiculous um, statistic, yeah, um, which shows that per hectare yeah. um, in the lead up to Crimean War, yeah. Russia was fifty percent less productive than Britain. Um, so in, at that time, so I mean, it's just like a horrific yeah. statistic. If you are, if you are the czar, yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot more land, but but, but, but you're yeah. not doing anything. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, think, yeah. I think this is you know whilst Brit- whilst Britain's going through the industrial <coughs> revolution, so yeah, the agricultural revolution. The agri- this, I think this is really important actually because the agricultural revolution basically, you know, you have so so if you think of um, if you've got a patch of land where we've got three guys working on that, you can only throw. So many more, let's say, serfs onto that yeah. same patch of land, uh, and and yeah, the pro- productivity of what you're going to produce is still going to flatline. Mm-hmm. But Britain's sort of cracked the code, as it were. Yeah, they now can use machine, new new machinery, new mm-hmm. techniques yeah. to make that land more productive. Mm-hmm. And not just now; it's been going on for yeah. last time decades. It's rolled out into yeah. France with with uh, Napoleon III trying to then compete with Britain, obviously. What would become Germany's looking to do get on the bandwagon as well. And yeah. you see all across Europe, Western Europe, these countries are modernizing. Yeah. In America as well, this you know, even though the civil wars are encroaching, you know, the north particularly is industrializing. Yeah. And throughout, you know, the rest of what we what they what would be seen then as civilized society. <laughs> Christendom. Yeah. Christendom, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Christendom, Russia is like becoming more and more like the poor neighbour. Yeah. Um, yeah. and sort of being viewed more and more as a backward country. Yeah. And I think also one of your I think one of your favourite Notes about industrialization, particularly in cities that people can move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. want to say a bit about that in terms of the West, about how? Well, uh, well, I, well. One of them. Um, are you talking about sort of from from the land onto the, into the urban? So, okay, but, oh, so, so if, there, if there's a you know around the time of the industrial yeah. revolution, in Britain particularly, yeah, uh, when it's getting started, there was quite a lot of hardship in the in the countryside yeah so people were more willing to move into the cities yeah to basically feed this new workforce yeah that absolutely. was needed yeah but in russia well, well i think i think the point i think the point is essentially um where where in certain areas people are using agricultural technology to produce more food mm-hmm. and you know ship it into cities to make it more readily available people who had their own farms or were you know peasants or whatever yeah. um saw it basically as more fulfilling, uh, more, you know, that their life would just be better. They just left their own land and went and worked in a, went, went yeah, worked in a factory mean, because, before, right? Yeah, yeah, because if they're being supplanted by this technology, they have another option, yeah. which is to move and leave and go yeah, somewhere else. Absolutely, yeah. It may not be possible in the immediate 
Yeah. So thought of them, but they yeah. can have the option to move, and lots of them did. Yeah. And so the mobility. Yeah. Sorry, it's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But and in flexibility, Russia, well. flexibility and mobility, but in Russia at the time, as we said, if you're a serf, you literally cannot leave the land yeah. you born on. So you know, one point one is that, as you said, Russia isn't industrializing in the, in the countryside yeah. to actually make it more productive. Yeah. And two. It's not really industrializing in cities either because they can't get the workforce yeah. there because you have these peasants, these serfs on the land, which if they were mobile would come to the city yeah. for be better jobs, better wages, but they can't get there at that time. Yeah, I was going to say um, there is um, when I was when I was reading uh, Stephen Nefsinger's uh, PhD thesis, um, he was saying about how some uh, it varied quite a lot across across Russia. Mm-hmm. I understand, yeah. but some estates were so arm's length from their own landlord. Yeah. Their the landlord was so um sort of I don't know, quite relaxed about what was going on there mm-hmm. that they had first of all developed some industry because there was mobility of yeah. some of some of the um serfs. So because these landlords were kind of absentee that they I kind of like while the cats away the mice. I think so, yeah. I mean it could be that but then I mean, in some of those situations it's even worse because the peasant commune is doing the work and yeah. micromanaging so I'm not sure what, what the exact reason is and then in certain situations the landlord is providing um, sort of not exactly public services but like sort of what you would recognise in a modern like certain things that government yeah. might be providing in Britain say like mm-hmm. a court system or, or you know um, sort of kind of yeah. decent infrastructure yeah provisional like road thing, yeah. road systems and like I mean, not you know nothing as big as like railways or anything like that, but fact you know factories in some cases. Yeah. Like, um, you kind of it's get very limited. Kind of get them the idea of that in sort of in some of if you read stuff like War and Peace, you yeah. get some of the nobles who are actually interested in improving yeah. the lives of their of their peasants and their serfs, yeah. and um, but others who are just against it to see it as a way of yeah. you know, keep one keeping them down and to make sure they get the money yeah. and and the, the wealth from the land. Yeah. But you get others who are kind of a bit more. A liberal sort of westernized more yeah. West, more urbanized westernized and willing to actually invest and see almost as a quick yeah. growth thing that they will you know i was gonna say off yeah. if their their workforce is better off yeah i mean i think in 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 the period i think you would call it enlightenment like that's exactly yeah, yeah it's exactly <laughs> right, it's enlightened, yeah. yeah um and i think this is also another actually just enlightenment in general is another another sort of driver behind serfdom being seen in Russia as a, as a sort of a drag on them because you have in the West um, more and more people becoming aware of it and more and more able to criticise it so you have Western of serfdom as a concept yeah I think, so, I think, I think there's def- yeah I agree with you there's definitely a, um, a sort of a I mean obviously we see the move against slavery yeah. and then obviously um, in Britain uh, abolished slavery in the British colonies in 1833 and mm-hmm. banned buying something of slaves in Britain in 1807 mm-hmm. as early as um, <laughs> And by eighteen forty three, all of them were all of the slaves in Britain were free. So well, it, I mean, this British is quite British Empire. Is it British Empire? Okay. Because because uh, yeah, you couldn't own a slave in Britain for a long time. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, in the yeah. colonies it was that makes more sense actually. Yeah, um, but yeah, so so it is, it is almost like but again, as you say, Russia is still quite a long way behind. Yeah, and I think it, I think it's partly because it takes them a lot longer to actually get these sort of more liberal West ideas into yeah, the system. So yeah. you have these sort of intellectuals criticise them from Britain and France. And then slowly but surely it does work its way into Russia and you start getting more people into the Russian cycle. Exactly, exactly yeah, more yeah, people yeah. starting yeah. to sort of speak out and realising actually if we want to compete with Britain and France in terms of actually industrializing, in terms of making things, make, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly making yeah. things work. And then also 
if that fails, if you want to compete the military as well, yeah. there's one big thing we need to reform, and that yeah. is you know, the 20 million people who are serfs. <laughs> yeah, and making sure that basically people to compensate. Yeah, exactly. And this is a thing we need to get, get out of our system. Yeah. Um, and I think at the end of the war, at the end of the war, so around 18, so 1855, yeah. um, Alexander II comes to the throne of the Tsar. Yeah. So he's kind of very much on the cusp of this. Sorry, this is the Crimean War. Yeah. Crimean War. So, yeah. uh, you know, we've had the humiliation, just yeah. what, we're in the last death throes of the humiliation of the war. Yeah. Um, and I think this is quite important for the, for the emancipation because yeah. almost at the exact time that Russia was, yeah, exactly the right time that Russia was sort of at this nadir yeah. of being shown very publicly to not be able to compete. They have a new leader who is able to learn these lessons yeah. and then almost begin to push them through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about the processes of what yeah, happened? Sure. Or, no, it's always, always dangerous. It, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to cover on why it needs to go? So we've had the so we've had the, the Crimean War humiliation. We've had the fact that Russia couldn't compete in terms of industrialising. We've got this slow upsurge of Russian liberalism as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and the criticism growing. Yeah. And also we've got Alexander II coming in at almost the right time. Yeah. So is there anything else? the perfect time. Yeah, exactly. So literally the man, the man of the man for the moment. Um, I mean, not, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it's pretty clear that this is a, um, well, first of all, really from a sentiment point of view, horrific system. Yeah. So you've got your liberal sentiments, uh, liberal sort of sympathies. But also, it's not really very productive in, in the, you know, the sort of micromanaging of, well, obviously, the micromanagement of estates is, is not very productive, but also the fact that these people are literally tied to the land mm-hmm. for life, well, for generate for, forever. Yes, yeah. and there's well, it is literally in perpetuity, yeah. <laughs> them and their, their descendants. And yeah, and, yeah. and when you have a system like that, there's literally you were talking about before, and you said yeah. literally no real incentive for them to yeah. improve their productivity. Yeah, because and it, and it's sort of wait, sorry. Because I just say the more they the more they produce, the more it's going to go away. So like, how much yeah. they produce, yeah, they're still going to have to give away those. It's so yeah. no point in actually having that. There's no incentive there to yeah. actually better yourself. Almost. And I actually think as well over time, obviously, if you're farming the same land over and over again, I mean, I'm not an expert farmer, but just through through the pure, you know, um, you know, law of we degrade land. If you yeah, I mean, it's essentially um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So your your, your production is going to sort of gradually go down mm. if you're just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Yeah, without additional obviously investment with with technology, I assume. Um, so so it's it's sort of almost in a way it's almost economically hopeless as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. and then so after all the back of this. You've got all these um, different factors coming into play. Yeah. And another thing that... Sorry. So I was going to say, as well, I mean, given that the um, given that the nobles are obviously the ones who are... Are they the ones starting the wars, though? Because they've been relieved of... Well, that's what I'm just coming on to. Okay. So well, I'm just trying to work out... I mean, obviously, there's the liberal aspect of, you know, I want my people to be tired, to be, to be you know, contented, which you seem to forget about during the Middle Ages. But anyway, <laughs> um, like, what... what, on what, what um, why, again, returns the question, why does Alexander get more? I think does, does, that, does the improvement in the economy mean that he has more tax cash? This is why I think it is. Partially, I think it is he's thinking, you know, enough's enough, the country needs to modernise yeah. because we're falling so far behind. Yeah. It's a prestige thing yeah. for Russia. It's also a, an economic thing. So, one, you, know, you get more money from having a more productive nation. Yeah. You know, and as he is the the person who basically at the top of the pyramid he needs that money yeah and also I think partially he also is looking to cement his power over the nobles as well 
and the landowners. Yeah. One thing I always see when I, I know an expert in Russian history, but it always seems that czars are almost a lot of the time living in fear of their nobles, and so they think he saw this as also a way of just reaffirming who was in charge. Yeah, I suppose well, so. I mean, and who was who was the czar? Yeah. Um, so, I think in, in a sort of med, well, in a, what I say, medi- a medieval style mm-hmm. feudalist kind of society, there is always that danger that your nobles can up, rise up against yeah. you, and because everyone's sort of almost at the same level. Like you said before about. If you've got more land, then you are you do sort of have more power, but then you've also got more land to spread it over. Yeah, so exactly. it's, and I whereas think the industrial revolution obviously allows you to concentrate your cap your your cat your well, your tax cash, I suppose, into um, you know, without having the, the expenditure, I suppose. Yeah. Theoretically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think also I think this this process of um one sort of taking on the nobles over serfdom. Yeah. to actually trying to move towards ab- abolishing it had started before Alexander II. Yeah. So you had people like um, Paul III, who in 17, uh, 1762 took away one of the one of the legs that certain stood on, which was to exempt nobles from having to do military service. So right. when Seven first came in... The justification. Um, yeah, one justification. Was, yeah, well, it was almost like a, a quid pro quo thing as well, that if the Russian nobles agree to serve in the army and tie themselves more to the Tsar yeah. and the country, yeah. then serfdom would continue. Yeah. Um, serfdom yeah. would be there on, on a sure footing. Yeah. Obviously, once that had been done away with, that created a basis for moving towards emancipation because yeah. there was no... Need for it. For yeah, I mean, there was, I mean he, the nobles had lost their sort of... You know, it, was, it was a benefit for the noble, but the noble wasn't on fulfilling his end of the bargain anymore yeah, because yeah, yeah. he wasn't... Man, yeah, he wasn't protecting. Give, yeah. military service to yeah. the Tsar. Um, and then also you see him the rule of Catherine the Great, um, measures coming in to stop like, excessively cruel treatment against serfs, so they couldn't literally be beaten for no reason. Yeah, and landowners were... Just like this this whole concept, before the 19th century, well, before, I suppose it's probably the mid-18th century, isn't it? but the, the Enlightenment, I think, people brought this in, but it's just that whole concept where these people are basically not even human. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and, then, and it sort of reminded them on a daily basis. Yeah. Right? And like, yeah. Just that they are a lower order almost. Yeah. And then, yeah, so you have that, you know, protecting, trying to protect them from excessively cruel treatment mm-hmm. and also mandating that landowners had to help them in terms of times of famine by yeah. keeping stockpiles there. Yeah. You know, it's debatable how much this actually helped because, yeah. you know, a lot of the time they weren't followed through and, you know, Russia's so vast that people can yeah. get away with stuff without the czar's interference. Yeah, because it's, they can't actually get them to dispense justice. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I think it shows that from you know centre there was this yeah ongoing you know willingness to try and tackle yeah. it. Yeah, um, I was going to say that you just reminded the other point I was going to make earlier about the um, being tied to the land. Yeah, uh, and and uh, preserved frozen in this sort of agricultural society. Famine is obviously mm-hmm. like it's a frequent disaster. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, which, by industrialising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, not, you're no longer tied to literally making your own food. Yeah. And if that fails, yeah. then your life yeah. is in danger. Yeah. And also, your population is limited because, as the production is limited, because you've only got a certain number of people, you've mm-hmm. only got a certain number of land that you can put the people on. Yeah. So, that technology, you're, you're, you're sort of. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this gradual process of improving the surf's lot, I mean, in very bits and starts, and yeah. not really actually happening, but. Sort of tinkering on the edges yeah. brings us again to Alexander II, yeah. who you know he took about five years from beginning the beginning the public call for it to yeah. then negotiating with the landowners and trying to and within his own government going through various committees trying to make sure that 
it actually happened. Yeah, yeah, there was a big yeah. negotiation over exactly how how dependent the service would be on the landowners. Yeah, so yeah. when it first came out, landowners favoured giving them freedom, yeah. but not actually giving them land, yeah. so that you know the service would be able to have free, but they would have nothing to farm, yeah. nothing to actually give yeah. their give themselves. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah they, they wouldn't be able to sustain themselves. Yeah, they would be unsustainable. In the end, obviously, that uh, was overruled and they was decided that serfs would be able would be given portions of land as well as their freedom. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is actually, you know, a better deal than most of the, uh, the freed slaves got, I think. I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not that, not, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the nobles in this time were quite actually trapped by their debts, yeah. by their seeming addiction to mortgaging their serfs. Yeah. They had trapped themselves and they didn't have enough, much room to move because they didn't have these big funds of cash to be able to yeah. pull back on. So they were kind of moved, moved away from their serfs, yeah. partially because of that. It's quite quite good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that was obviously where the where the state was the the, the Russian state had such power over them mm-hmm. because they were basically incapable of keeping a uh, budget. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it helped, but also there were just finally before we come on to what happened afterwards, um, there were three important things that um, limited the emancipation and made it palatable to your landowners. Mm. One was that there would be a two year transition period, mm. so in that two years the serfs would still be working for the landowner conditions stay the same. Um, secondly, large areas of common land were still remained with landowners. So they were free to then create tolls and sort of yeah. make it very difficult for serfs to get across land and uh, without being crippled with payments for moving across there. And they would yeah. hang on to areas of forest, which brought them income as well. Yeah. Um, and thirdly, serfs would have to pay their former masters for the privilege of being free. So what actually happened in effect was the the Tsar, um, the state, advanced around 75% of the capital mm. for freeing them. And then the serfs would repay the money in so-called redemption payments yeah. um, over a course of around 49 years yeah. to the state. Um, yeah. So... Is that via the landlord? So no, I think oh, no, via, the, the, via the commune. Yeah, so the this commune we spoke about earlier, which yeah. is sort of um, yeah. overlording it over the villages yeah. in some small way, yeah. is then responsible for collecting collecting the money and sending it back. Yeah, right. um, and this is actually one side thing linked to another episode where we're potentially in this sort of spider web of Crimean War fallout is that Russia, um, one of the major driving forces behind selling Alaska was to cover these, had this heartland cash the Tsar had to give to landowners to free the serfs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, sorry, I don't, I, basically they, they sold Alaska. Yeah. To the Americans. To the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. insane. So, so yeah, that was one of, one of the reasons. There are others, but that was one of the yeah. reasons to yeah, cover yeah. them, cover yeah. themselves. I think in 1867 they sold it. Okay. Um, did we mention that in the New York New York Draft episode? I think, we did, I think so, yeah. Not, maybe, maybe yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and I think, um, as well as these three issues that would you know, make emancipation not the brilliant silver bullet that many people thought it might be, mm. there was also the issue that, the again, the commune divided the land. Um, yeah. So often peasants were left with the lesser land, yeah. less um, productive land, and the landowners got the more productive land yeah. Yeah. out of it. Um, but you know, but from Alexander II's viewpoint, he'd emancipated the serfs. It's a great PR. Victory. Yeah, a great PR yeah. victory <laughs> for him because he emancipated twenty odd million people. Yeah. Uh, we should say that people serfs on his land actually. Got yeah, uh, so emancipated, extra time, emancipated yeah. in eighteen sixty six. So yeah. five years later, <laughs> although they actually got better terms usually. Yeah, um, so well, I think, saw, I think he kind of saw the, the kinks in the system. And yeah, then, but yeah. So I mean, yeah, the large majority of serfs were emancipated in eighteen sixty one, and then eighteen sixty six. The state, the state serfs were. I mean, how many, how many state serfs were there? Nine point five. So basically, so ten point five million privately owned serfs. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, all of these so. these figures are kind of a bit. They're always well. This like, is from the census. Is, yeah, so it's like I mean, so roughly though speaking, this is like, 1850, so, 1857 to eight tax census, right? It is, yeah. But I'm just saying, there's always some debate around it. So not, we're not saying for definite this no. how many, but yeah, you're right. There was. Does it give you an idea? It gives you an idea. Yeah. Uh, 10.5 million privately owned, 9.5 yeah. million state owned, and 900 thousand in the Tsar's personal patronage. Mm. It's like ludicrous numbers of people. <laughs> But, um, sorry, uh, yeah. And these people have emancipated, so, as you said, PR yeah. or the Tsar, yeah. and, you know, after that, everything's fine. The Russian industrialised at a massively fast rate, yeah. everyone's happy, became a glorious country, yeah, and, you know, it competed with Britain and France the rest of those days. Yeah, and, and became, it, was, it was the new rules. The Tsar ruled happily ever after. Yeah. No, nothing bad happened yeah. to the Tsars. Yes. Well, as, happened, isn't it? indeed, indeed <laughs> absolutely, absolutely what happened, um, in opposite but then, in, <laughs> in 1911, Lenin said that eight, the year 1861 begot the year 1905. Obviously, 1905 was the dress rehearsal yeah. for the 1917 Bolshevik Revolution. Um, well, Communist Revolution yeah. um, for the for the, for the uh, Lenin. But the um, yeah, so so I and the, the, I from my own you know from my own analysis of this situation, what it's worth the um, what the key thing that went wrong here. Is that they replaced one landlord with another essentially. Mm-hmm. They replaced the landlord who you know, was micromanaging yeah. his estates or whatever, whatever you want to refer, yeah, whatever you want to want to say the problem is there. And then obviously these problems varied with where which which estate and where they were and, and so on. As I said earlier, some landlords were actually quite light touch. So mm-hmm. they they sort of had more freedom or their estate was built up slightly more industrially. Maybe um, I would say pretty more cottage industry than a you know, masses factory. But yep. still better than most of them and um, and then yeah some of them are obviously just complete subsistence level but um, but they you know, replaced the landlord with the commune mm-hmm. which was pretty much had the same powers and was essentially just it had all the same um, yeah, it was just as conservative yeah, also, yeah it it's, not like they, it's not like they said okay you know um, go forth uh, my brothers and yeah. sort of prosper it was more like Okay, we're going to carry on the exact same yeah. system, but now we're in charge. Yeah, like where, where landowners and nobles had been disinterested in investing in new technology, similarly, the commune was equally, seemingly, as many areas, was equally as disinterested in actually industrialising yeah. and bringing new technology into farming. Yeah. Um, which, you know, was probably a huge. Well, well I mean, it was just a huge. Um, as we said about the law of diminishing returns, more like you just you can't carry on in the same way forever because you just run out of money. And, and, and presumably, they also. But they also in charge of managing the debts to the uh, They state. work from what I've read the yeah, they, they were yeah, responsible yeah. for kind of they, the state would be paid back through them. So yeah, the, yeah. You know, the, com- the people under the in the state in the communal areas yeah. would gather their money funds they've made and then pay it into yeah. the commune who then pay it to the the state. Yeah. Um, and so they you know, again they they've become this sort of arbiter of people's lives in yeah, other ways. Yeah. And I think another sort of important point is that for a serf to migrate to the cities joining this these new factory workers yeah. so they'd have to sell up all their land or give their land over to the commune so yeah, yeah. automatically they would have to give away a lot of stuff yeah. to be able to do it in the first place and plus which, I mean as, as, you, as you sorry no saying which was in many seen by many peasants and well peasants they were now as a book on their yeah. actual desire to move yeah. um, because yeah. and also I think you know, psychologically speaking you've literally lived on that whole land forever like yeah. your whole history is in this yeah. I think yeah. you know, it wasn't just as 
simple as flicking a switch and saying, if we can go yeah. into, you can go and move around and migrate yeah. into where better work is kind of thing. They've got yeah. these things tying them to land in terms of yeah. shared histories and, you know, this is the land of my father and he found this, so I found that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think um, just, just just on that, the, the commune obviously retained some of the coercive powers. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. Prevented the serfs from moving, uh, mm-hmm. prevented their free serf, free peasants from yeah. moving. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they're, they're true. The, 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 it's sort of, um, it's quite interesting because in, in, as we sort of mentioned, in Europe, this came to an end because the Black, the Black Death ravaged through the um, countries of Europe and made it almost inevitable that they had to move yeah. in order to survive. Whereas in this case, they're just sort of frozen in time, like just stuck on these, um, I think that should bring me around, but, um, frozen in time on these um, ancient sort of estates that mm. they've always been on. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when when you look at um, literature in during the Russian Revolution, all the students and sort of people like that who are talking about what's going on, they always it's always like the when they go their home, is uh, when they see somebody fr- they they would always automatically recognise somebody who's from their place. Yeah, it's like without doubt you would know exactly who it is. It's from your village, and even mm-hmm. if you were out somewhere else, and people stuck together in these same groups when they're at university. Yeah. I think actually almost yeah. coming towards a close with that's yeah. quite an important point as well in terms of this feeding into this sort of into the uh, revolution in terms yeah, of the revolution. Lenin, really, exactly yeah. that's exactly what it was resentment because the peasants were almost like it was almost their sort of freedom had been given to them but it was also still just out of reach yeah. in real terms mm-hmm. so they had the sort of you know they now the name of a free man but in reality there's so much there that they yeah. didn't have still yeah. and, and couldn't get because they had so little. And actually, I think this is you know one of the, one of the one of the um, you know one of the most severe things as well is that unlike the original industrialising countries and um, as as you know as peasants become modern industrial mm-hmm. workers and then the later consumers in the nineteenth century they they don't they they in 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 Britain they didn't have this sort of Thing off in the distance where these people are doing really well and yeah. industrialising all this kind of stuff. Whereas Russian, they can see it all. Like, well, not see it all, but you know, they they would they know they know that they're out there somewhere. Yeah. Everyone's doing better than yeah. them, basically, <laughs> which is uh, must be pretty surreal as well. Think of. Yeah, um, but yes, I mean, yeah, in, in real terms, and, 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 and also who's stopping them? It's yeah, and the, the uh, yeah, and it, uh, that 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 um, point of people out there doing better than. Yeah, yeah. So have another like quite horrifying stat that I dug up. Yeah. yeah, around in in nineteen hundred, Russian productivity was around twenty five percent of Britain's. So it didn't really like there wasn't a huge yeah. like long term bounce in no, terms of no. productivity and you know an upsurge in it at all by the yeah. things. Yeah, just uh, I think I generally I just think well, the listeners was like I said they were sort of frozen in time. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks to you know, almost hundreds of years of this mm-hmm. same drudgery. Do you have anything else to say, or do you want to do further reading before we can just wrap up? And yeah, I mean, I, um, do any further reading to do? I, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say um, my my um, I don't know. I just sort of fun fact about why. Mm. Um, well, the fun fact about America, American serfdom, which never really took place. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah it's yeah. tangentially related. Well, no, we'll, we'll do this. We'll have a fun fact. Then yeah. we'll do. Well, then we'll do further reading. Then Which we'll is do almost just as fun. Exactly. Um, yeah. So in, in America, when uh, the, the uh, when when they when, when it was first colonized, it was uh, I, you know the original idea was to you know establish it under the feudalist system. 
you know, the standard parceling out of land that they would then pay the pay the um, pay their tithes to the Duke of York, the king's brother at the time. Um, but because the uh, because the land was there was so much land and there was like nobody there, the they, they sort of took it. The Duke of York decided to actually parcel it out in small segments and actually sell it. Mm-hmm. So it is almost like the, the economics just wouldn't the feudalist system was was not economically just wasn't plausible. Yeah, well, it wasn't ingrained from the yeah, start in that. It was, was in Russia, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, you can remember, but from the first yeah one of the first steps out there yeah like um. But yeah, one of the one of the major bits out there, it yeah. wasn't completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it just wouldn't. It just wasn't. Wouldn't compute basically because <laughs> people because people were going there voluntarily, whereas obviously yeah. in Russia they're already there and they weren't allowed to move away. So mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting situation. Yeah. But um, but yeah, um, so that's why I never took off in America. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so James II, yeah. as he was to become, had one good thing in his life. Yeah, well, there you go. So, uh, but yeah, I think we should move on to the further, re- yeah. further reading. Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, well, my, one of my, fa- the, my, my absolute, my absolute favourite source for this, actually, is, where, is, is one that I was reading so avidly, and probably will carry on reading after this, mm-hmm. is, is Stephen Nafziger's, um, uh sort of um, doctorate thesis, essentially. Yeah. Uh, he's from William College, USA, and he's looking at the economic reasons why the abolition of serfdom didn't really mm-hmm. do anything. It's fascinating. I mean, I'll put the full the full title on the show notes page. Unfortunately, yeah. I haven't got the full title in front of me. But um, one of those things always doctoral thesis always seems to have massive titles. Well, exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. I'm afraid. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, it was very recently written as well, and um, very uh, very interesting mm-hmm. insight. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of things. I'm controversially both fictional. Oh wow. Um, so first one is a book called Dead Souls by by Google. Oh yeah. Um, which is a, which is kind of it's a an interesting look into Russia and Russian society and involves um, a man traveling around buying serfs essentially um, and yeah. as you see um, throughout it so it's a good sort of insight into how Russian society functions um, and the second one Anna Karenina by Tolstoy which is again looking at Russian society in the time of when the emancipation reforms were happening and shows the various strands of the plot the life of serfs life of peasants and also the landowners who lorded it over them. Indeed. So they'd be my two, um, both interesting in their own right, I think. But obviously yeah. there's a huge amount of um, sort of factual stuff out there as well, yeah. um, which gets yeah. into great detail about those reforms. Yeah. So, you know, just have a look around and then there's, there's good books about yeah. it. Yeah. Good... Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think it's so integrally as well tied inexorably to events nearly, you know, 50 years later. Yeah. Um, when, you know, it all kicked off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, there it is, Lenin is, Lenin is saying, this is the, one of the reasons um, for the Russian Revolution. Yeah. And, but, um, and I think, sort of, in conclusion, that is a key thing that we need to remember from this yeah. episode, in that, yeah. you know, although serfdom was clearly an aberration yeah. in terms of you know, it being practiced and it was holding Russia back massively, yeah. Yeah. and you can see that in both industrial terms and in military terms, or even though there was you know, this great emancipation of Alexander II yeah. and the system was done away with, what came after it was actually know better yeah and as yeah. you know as you clearly said it really you know fed into this into the russian revolution yeah i think yeah well one of the one of the most i think one of the most important things is essentially that, that flexibility for people to go and do as they please essentially which which we which even though they were free mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to do which, exactly yeah i mean it just makes no sense that they that this would be the case but but yeah i mean uh, yeah from from industrial development in western europe that's that was what, what mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I suppose. Uh, unless you've got anything. No, that's yeah, it. That's no, it the time's up for today. <laughs> Welcome to all. Thanks for listening to Footnotes of History. For more episodes, visit footnotesofhistory.com and subscribe. Or, if you want to suggest an episode to us, email us on episodes at footnotesofhistory.com. You can also follow us on social media at FOH Podcast for Twitter, and we're also on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks for listening.